Well, we're facing a different season, so I'm going to do something a little different for our Sunday night group. Typically, I will talk and then record that and then put it on my podcast. But today, I'm going to do this. Of course, we're having a virtual church meeting. So I want you to turn in your Bible to um, Genesis chapter 39. And I want to remind you today that you're not alone. As many of you know, I just got back from Niger, from Africa, serving in a hospital over there. And uh, a lot of crazy stories that I could tell you today, but this is something that's not so grotesque. You know, my wife was all worried about me getting the coronavirus over there. And if you look at the map, you'll notice that Africa is relatively free of cases of the coronavirus. And I think there's two reasons. Number one, probably because they don't even check. And number two, because the coronavirus is scared to death to come uh, to Africa and have to compete with the other types of pestilence that we see over there. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting. It's also the climate is so much hotter. And I think that gives us hope that as we move into summertime with the coronavirus, uh, I think we'll see less cases and hopefully we'll be this season will pass. So just want to encourage you that uh, there is hope. But anyway, while I was over in Africa serving at Galmi Hospital and rounding with Dr. Catherine and Audrey, the residents and Zadok and Olivier, there was this one patient, and it was interesting. Every day we would come by and round on him, and the residents, of course, would present him and say, this is a patient, post-op day, status, post-op day number five, status post-grand patch repair, post-op day number six, status post-grand patch repair, post-op day number seven. You know, once again, the residency is in English. The patients speak Hausa, and then the underlying language is French. And so I'm really kind of out of the loop. I know two words in Hausa. One is aiki aiki, and that means work. And the other is lahia, which means, I think it means good. <laughs> but anyway, that's about all I know. And so it's hard for me to communicate. But then one day, about 10 days uh, after being in the hospital, having surgery, the man looks at us and he says, you've changed my name. My name is now Graham Patch. And apparently he understood a little English and understood what we were saying. And, you know, he had been hearing this over and over. This is post-op day number three, status post-grand patch repair of a perforated ulcer. And, and actually, it's interesting, the man began to um, the man began to think that what had happened to him uh, was who he was. I mean, he began to... Um, he began to think that his circumstance defined his identity. You know, I mean, he was he was just he was uh, calling himself after the surgery that he had had. He had had a Graham patch repair. It's a surgery that's done back in the in the early 1900s, started by a doctor named Dr. Graham. You know, we doctors are narcissists. You know, we we like to name things after ourselves. So Dr. Graham, of course, named the Graham patch surgery. But anyway, this man began to define himself based upon the circumstances and what happened to him. And so I just want to encourage you today that your identity is not dependent upon your circumstances. And so often, one of the circumstances that we're facing now in the coronavirus is that we feel, we feel lonely. We're having these emotions and feelings and experiences of loneliness. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to remind you that you are not alone. You are not alone. If you know Christ and if Christ, the Spirit of Christ lives within you, 
You may be isolated, but you are not alone. And so I want us to go and look at the life of some Old Testament saints and really begin to kind of think about this concept that, you know, although we may be isolated in our homes, we may not be able to go and and assemble together in church or go out and socialize and all of these things. Although we may be isolated, we are not alone. And the scriptures tell us that. I want you to think of something. Think of the life of Paul and think about what he wanted to do as an evangelist, going out and sharing his faith and starting churches and encouraging people. And yet he was shackled here in this prison. And yet God had a purpose for that time of isolation in Paul's life. I mean, it was a season. We know that Paul ultimately was probably uh, martyred. But in this season, God used that time of isolation uh, to encourage the whole world through the prison epistles that he wrote in that time. And so Paul didn't let his circumstances define who he was. I mean, he didn't let, although he might have been shackled to chains and in a prison cell, he, he still had a freedom that he could experience there in that prison. And he still knew that God could use him and fulfill, there was a purpose for him to be in that, uh, in that prison at that time. And so I want to remind you today that you are, your isolation here is just for a season and it's for a purpose. And so I want you to go back and we're going to talk about three different people in uh, the Old Testament. And I want you to think about the life of Joseph. You can read this in Genesis about 38 through about 42 about the life of Joseph. Joseph. Joseph was isolated but he wasn't alone. I want you to just big picture think about the life of Joseph. He was isolated from his family, not only emotionally because of what they did to him, but also from a distance standpoint. I mean, he was placed in the pit, you know, and it wasn't fair. Those circumstances weren't right, but he was in that pit and he was isolated, but it's interesting. He was not alone. And then you go into Genesis chapter uh, 39 and you'll see this one thing is repeated three times here in Genesis 39. It says that he, that God was with him. Look at verse two. It says the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived within the house of his Egyptian master. He went from the pit to Potiphar. And then verse three, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, and Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. You see, Joseph was isolated but he wasn't alone. Even in that time when he was isolated from his family, now he had his whole, um, the dynamics had changed. He no longer was, uh, you know, the, uh, the golden boy. He was now a slave. I mean, everything had changed. His circumstances had changed, but he didn't let those circumstances define who he was. He was isolated but it says that God was with him. And it mentions that three times here in the 39th chapter of Genesis. And I would encourage you to go back and to look at that and to think about that. And then we go from the pit, we go to Potiphar, and then finally we go to prison. And I want you to think about how isolated Joseph must have felt, what feelings, what things he was going through as he was there isolated in, in that prison and being forgotten, even by the king's servants that came for a short time into the prison and how he he served them and yet 
it seemed to go unnoticed. I mean, think about those circumstances. Joseph probably felt isolated, but we know that God was with him and God was working in those circumstances for a purpose. And so I want you to think about this in your life today. You know, there are some benefits to being in isolation. Did you hear me? There are benefits to being isolated. God was doing a great work in Joseph's life. And he was working behind the scenes. He was preparing Joseph for something even better. He was fulfilling the promises that he gave to Joseph. But it involved pain and it involved some times of just of uh, just some time of introspection. I want you to think of one of these benefits of isolation. Number one, this is a time when you have the opportunity to slow down and reflect upon what God is doing in your life. You have an opportunity to listen to God and really hear from God and to get maybe a new vision for your life and what God maybe wants to do for you. I want you to think about this. This is an opportunity for you to spend more time in prayer and in intimacy with God. You know, one of the greatest things about our difficult circumstances is that they give us the opportunity to be intimate with God. Psalm 46, 1, that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in our time of need. I mean, he's very present. He's very intimate with us in those times. I mean, when we are experiencing a crisis, just to remind us once again, I mean, just that verse, we are not alone. So think about that. We have the opportunity to pray. And I want you to think about the prison epistles. I mean, when you read the prison epistles, you read Philippians and Ephesians, all those great prayers, because Paul was praying all the time. He was making the best of his circumstances. He wasn't letting his circumstances define who he was. He knew who he was based upon what Christ had done for him. And so just encouraging you to take this time and pray. And just as we go through those prison epistles, we listen and we look at at, at Paul. Just read the first chapter of Philippians and how he prays for those Philippians. And then those two great prayers in Ephesians, you know, that prayer of enlightenment in chapter one and that prayer for for empowerment in chapter three. And then go to chapter one of Colossians and how he prays for the Colossians. He didn't even know who the Colossians were. I mean, if you really study that book, and yet he prayed that they would know God's will. I mean, all of those prayers came out of that time of isolation in the, in the, in the life of Paul. And also there was that time of, uh, of joy that he experienced. So I want you to think about all of those things. There are so many benefits. You know, I think another benefit that we're going to see out of this is that we're going to appreciate things in a deeper way, in a whole new level. I mean, I was talking with Miss Ann the other day, and she was saying, you know, Doctor, it's amazing. I took going to church for granted. You know, we take all that social interaction that we have daily with people. We take that for granted. We take all these things for granted. You know, if we think about people in other countries who go to church, you know, they know what a privilege it is to assemble together. And so often we just, in the United States and the Western countries where we have more freedom, we take that for granted. So, but I want you to think about the life of Joseph. Joseph was isolated, but he was not alone. And we could go on to talk today about David. You know, David was trapped in those caves of Engedi and the cave of Ad- Adulam. He was isolated 
but he wasn't alone. We know that God was with him. 23rd Psalm, you know, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I feel no evil, for I know that you're with me. God was with him in those times. Think about Moses. That's another example. How he was there in that isolated backside of the desert, tending sheep. You know, he went from the from the Pharaoh's court out in the middle of nowhere. And you can imagine those feelings of isolation that Moses possibly felt. And the scriptures doesn't say that. But if I were in that position, I know I would feel that way. I would feel isolated. I would feel alone. But yet, go back and look at Exodus chapter 3. When God calls him out and calls him back, he says, Moses, I'm going to be with you in this process. This was a time in Moses' life, this time about isolation, where God was working in his life. You know, the scriptures say that God has to work in your life before he works through your life. You know, and so there was Moses, 40 years, you know, waiting upon God. The greater the wait, the greater the work. Just think about that. So we have we have Joseph, we have David, we have Moses, and then think about Elijah. You can find this in First Kings chapter nine. Elijah experienced times of isolation. I mean, he went, and he made the prophecy, it's not going to rain, and then he went and he hid out, hid out on the eastern side of the Jordan in that brook there, and he was hiding out, being fed by the ravens. I mean, it's interesting how God provided for him during that time. You know, in the most odd way, how God provided for Elijah in that time of isolation. Isn't that good news? Just think about that. So I want you to think about your life, you know, and I want you to also think about this, that you are not alone. So I want to give you three quick New Testament promises that remind you that you are not alone, even though you may be isolated. You're not alone. And the first is the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And I just want to read that last verse. Jesus said, and surely I am with you also to the very end of the age. I want you to think about that, that Jesus would be with them in whatever circumstances they faced as they were faithful to do what God called them to do. He was with them during persecution. He was with them during suffering. He was with them during times of isolation. He was with them in whatever they faced. I mean, their identity was not based upon their circumstances. Their identity was based upon what God said about them. He would always be with them. And isn't that promise there in the upper room discourse in John chapter 15? He said, just as I remain in you, so remain in me. That promise that if we know Christ and if the Holy Spirit is living within us, that God will remain in us. And the next passage I want to remind you of is Romans chapter 8. I love Romans chapter 8. Starting in verse 35, it says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a great promise. 
that the love of God is always with us. Like Joseph, like David, like Moses, like Elijah, like the Apostle Paul, all of those things that God is always with us. And the final reminder is this. This is a good uh, verse to memorize. Hebrews chapter 13, 5, it says this, Never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. The author of Hebrews is referring back to the times in the promised land. You can find this in Deuteronomy 31, 6, where God promises that he will be with the people as they move forward across the Jordan into that time of conflict. Isn't that a great promise? And then you see the also in Joshua on the other side of the of the Jordan there in Joshua chapter one, verse eight and nine, how God promised you always be with, always be be with uh, Joshua as he um, took those steps of faith. So I want to encourage you today and just remind you that you are not alone. Although you may be experiencing a time of isolation in this coronavirus. That's okay. God is with you. So I want to ask you the question. I want to challenge you today to think about where you're at and and your attitude in this time of isolation. Are you making the best of your circumstances? Are you letting your circumstances define you? Or are you letting God's promises define who you are and how you're going to approach this time of isolation? Are you making the best of your situation? Are you stopping and reflecting? Are you listening? Are you learning to be thankful and not take things for granted that you took before? Are you, are you moving forward? Are you taking time, like the Apostle Paul, to pray? And I want to encourage you in this time that God has a purpose for this time of isolation. It's just for a season. So let's make the best of it. I'm Dr. Page, the best guy to see you on the worst day of your life.